Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Pediapod for October 2021. This month, how to implement rapid and safe SARS-CoV-2 vaccinations in pediatric populations. Early on in the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic, the majority of infected children were either asymptomatic or had mild COVID-19 disease prompting many to demand a higher acceptable risk threshold of vaccines for children compared to adults. More recently, as children begin to make up a larger proportion of the infected population, and following evidence of the mental and physical toll exacted by the pandemic on children, a paediatric vaccine is more pressing. But challenges to widespread vaccine uptake remain. In this episode, we meet Dr. Chulia Uyoa from the University of California, Irvine, about a recent commentary she wrote with fellow paediatric providers, physician scientists and advocates for children about these challenges and how they might be overcome. Here she is. So my name is Chuli Uyoa and I'm a pediatric infectious diseases physician scientist in the Department of Pediatrics at the University of California, Irvine School of Medicine. And I also work as an attending physician at the Children's Hospital of Orange County, Chalk Children's Hospital. Where is the US at right now in terms of the vaccine rollout? Specifically with regards to children, the Pfizer vaccine has been approved for children 12 years and older, and they're gonna be evaluating pretty soon here that the vaccine eligibility for children ages five to 11 years of age. And I'm hopeful that it will be approved by the end of this month or early November. So basically a pediatric vaccine for all children is is on the horizon. It is, yeah. And they do have clinical trials that would go as young as six months. So six months to four years of age as well. But you and some colleagues have written a commentary, haven't you, for pediatric research this month. What are the kind of remaining issues and questions that need to be ironed out before this goes ahead? Yeah, so we actually wrote it in the fall of 2020 and then was published in January of 2021. At that moment, a lot of the questions were surrounding the fact that COVID-19 disease is milder in the majority of children than in adults and evaluating the risk benefit of pediatric SARS-CoV-2 vaccine should be carefully weighed. That was one of the main issues. And also the fact that we really haven't had any clinical trials in the less than 12 age group and that we really needed to do that in order to assess 
the vaccine dosing and the immunogenicity in that age group, which thankfully we have. Do you think that as the proportion of children that are making up infections and hospitalizations increases, that actually lends itself to us being able to better ask questions about the efficacy of vaccines now? So yeah, so research has shown that the Pfizer vaccine is 100% effective in preventing the COVID-19 virus in children ages 12 to 15, whereas previous research has shown that the vaccine is 95% effective in preventing COVID with symptoms in people age 16 and older. Are there any particular complications targeting a vaccination program to the pediatric population from very young up to 16? Yeah, from the very young to 16, I think we have large differences in maturation. And also, you know, you may not need the same dose of the vaccine for an older age group than you would for a younger age group. So teasing out these differences in the concentration of the vaccine that one would need to generate the same immune response certainly needs to be teased out. So I think we need to learn more about, you know, how the child is responding to each of the vaccines at different doses, at different levels, and is the vaccine safe? You know, what are the side effects? Are there side effects from the vaccine? What are the particular ethical considerations for a pediatric vaccine? And how do they differ from an adult vaccine? At the start of the pandemic, you know, there was a lot of talk about whether the ethical considerations about vaccinating a population that really only was infected. So only about 3% of children um, were infected at that time. And so there is an ethical consideration, right? So vaccinating children at that time was seen more as preventing spread of the disease and protecting those that are more vulnerable, aka those that are older or maybe have underlying health conditions. I think as we've been moving forward, I think we've been able to appreciate that children have also suffered significantly from this pandemic. So now there are more children that are infected with COVID-19, but you know, the school closures, et cetera, have also negatively impacted kids. The pandemic, I think, for us has allowed us to realize that schools certainly provide a benefit to families beyond providing education, such as childcare, nutritional support, healthcare, and social services. And without in-person instruction, children are at increased risk of falling behind academically and exacerbating these educational inequities. And so throughout, because of the school closures, it has negatively impacted kids in many ways. So they haven't been able to go to school. They haven't been able to go to the world child checks. They haven't been able to get their primary immunizations. A lot of them have been locked indoors, so they haven't been able to exercise. And there's been a huge mental health crisis amongst children as well. So I think now looking at the pandemic and looking back and how things have changed, in order to move forward, I think, safely, and the best way to really deal with this virus is to prevent it. You know, I'm in California right now, and I think that the largest hit community, so in terms of the number of cases, the largest numbers of cases of COVID-19 that we're seeing are currently in the Latino, um, the Hispanic community. And so the vaccine uptake has also been lowest in this community. So I think it's the responsibility of physicians to go out into communities that are underserved or have language barriers, et cetera, and provide education and reach out to them. And so that is something that we have been doing a lot. So, you know, the Hispanic community, even Vietnamese communities, underserved communities. And so it's important for us to go and educate communities and also bring the vaccine to them. So sometimes it might be harder for these communities to go out and transportation might be an issue. People work and so they might not be able to go to vaccine clinics during regular hospital clinic hours. And so that's another thing that we've been working on is providing vaccine clinics into 
largely underserved communities. Another big challenge that we've seen all across the world is, of course, vaccine hesitancy. And I can imagine that when it comes to paediatric vaccines, that's stronger than ever. The challenges with vaccine hesitancy at the end of the day is, I think, just providing education and answering questions for families. So I think that a lot of the vaccine hesitancy can be solved if we have open communications with individuals. And so going out into communities and talking with people, it can be also be done on an individual level, you know, in your primary care offices, but also on a larger scale. So one of the ways that we've been doing this is that we've been liaising with a lot of our school districts, particularly in communities where the vaccine uptake has been low, in order to educate these Zoom informational sessions. I've also been recorded and they're aired on Facebook and YouTube, etc., to try to just educate communities. Did they work then? Were they useful, those Zoom sessions? Well, I think it's hard to say, but we do do a survey for the families and everyone who participate. And uh, we do a survey before and after these talks and obtain their opinions. For example, a question that we'll ask is, would you vaccinate your child? And we have seen an increase in that number after the talk as compared to before the talk. And sometimes we'll have these talks before we have a vaccine clinic or a vaccine fair in the community. And we have had a good turnout at these vaccine clinics. I mean, it sounds like we we, we have a good understanding now of a lot of the challenges when it comes to rolling out a pediatric vaccine, but where do you think our efforts need to be focused to get this over the line? Yeah, so I think we have made a lot of progress over the past year with regards to learning more about the SARS-CoV-2 virus or COVID-19, particularly in children. And I believe that the strongest challenges ahead are working to combat vaccine hesitancy and health misinformation. At the end of the day, in order to get a better hold of this pandemic, we really need to vaccinate a large number of people that are largely unvaccinated, including children. And we are headed into uh, difficult times. There's a lot of misinformation out there, especially on social media outlets in English and in other languages. And this information is a huge source of confusion and mistrust that is ultimately harming people's health and overall undermining our public health efforts. Unfortunately, there has been a demographic shift in COVID-19 cases with pediatric patients making up a growing share of COVID-19 infections. They are accounting for up to 27% of cases. And um, this is opposed to the start of the pandemic where children accounted for 3% of all cases. So essentially what we are seeing is that COVID is becoming more and more of a childhood illness because we have a fully susceptible population of children less than 12 that are not yet eligible for a vaccine and an under-vaccinated population between 12 and 17. And as vaccines are expanded to these younger age groups, we as physicians and as pediatricians have a huge responsibility to work with our patients, families, and communities, not only to debunk these myths and misinformation about COVID-19 vaccines, but to also really just educate them on the importance of children getting vaccinated in order to halt the spread of this disease and to prevent ongoing morbidity and, and mortality. That was Dr. Chulia Uyoa from the University of California, Irvine. And that's it for this episode. Join us again in a month for your next edition of Pediapod. I'm Jeff Marsh. Thanks for listening.
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.